The Superpowers of the Soul Channel is brought to you by Superpower Experts. Visit superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers today. You're listening to Superpowers of the Soul with Tonya Dawn Rackler and the Superpower Experts. Hello, beautiful beings. This is Amorakai, and welcome back to another episode of Superpowers of the Soul. I am really looking forward to today's show and super excited to be talking with our incredible guest, Matthew Ponak, about reversing burnout. You know, burnout is increasingly rampant in our world. And according to our guest today, we need new approaches adapted from traditional wisdom that serve to reverse this trend. I don't know about you, but I am certainly seeing this everywhere in my world and my friends, family, clients. You know, it seems to be just everywhere. And that's why I'm so excited that Matthew's here to shed some light, to shed some strategy, to shed some hope around this very, very, very important subject. And let me tell you a little bit about him before we dive in. Rabbi Matthew Ponak is a teacher of Jewish mysticism. He's a spiritual counselor and the co-founder of the Makora Institute, an online spiritual center for embodied practice. Ordained with honors as a rabbi at the Neo-Hasidic Rabbinical School of Hebrew College, he also holds a master's degree in contemplative religions from Naropa University and is a certified focusing professional, helping to guide others to deeper self-knowledge and healing. He is the author of Embodied Kabbalah. And I am truly, truly delighted to have him here with us today. His energy is soothing. It's healing. It's so friendly. His heart is so warm. And I just know you're going to adore him and really receive benefit for all the wisdom he has to share with us here today. So without further ado, Matthew, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Samorakai. It's great to be joining you in this conversation. Well, I feel really joyful to be talking with you about reversing burnout. And I think it's a super important conversation to have right now, just because of how fast the burnout trend is growing. And because, you know, on the heels of these last few years, so many of us are experiencing symptoms of burnout, you know, whether we call it that or not, just from the stress of global conditions and so much uncertainty having gone on, you know, never mind work and family and the stress and obligations of everyday life piled on top of that. But before we dive right into it all, I'm sure that our lovely audience would uh, really like to hear your answer to our favorite opening question around here. And that is, what is one of your superpowers of the soul, Matthew? And how are you using it for good right now in your life? I would say that the way that my current superpower regimen is most manifesting is as a bridge that I see myself as a translator, not just of language, but of culture and practice and spiritual technology. It's mm. very valuable right now for people to be connecting with sources of wisdom. And some of them are arising in our world, and many of them are from ancient cultures and civilizations. And so what I see myself as is opening doorways, opening gates to ancestral wisdom and practices to help people who haven't had access to those in previous times. Mm, so powerful. I've actually got chills. 
I really understand the power of, you know, what I call bridge workers. I think that in different spiritual communities, you know, we've heard the term uh, light workers and we definitely understand translators, but there is something, isn't there, about this having one foot in one world, you know, maybe we can call it the past and one foot in this world and just being a bridge between well, in your case, you're talking about ancestral wisdom and practices and and what we could really benefit from using today. But I also see it as being the bridges to the future, you know, those future generations that will benefit from the bridge workers of of holding that space for, and I love your terminology, you call it spiritual technology, really, right? Heart and brain together, spirit and technology together, wisdom and strategic practice and application together. I feel like that mm, unity, that oneness is so important. And I can't wait to talk to more of you about it. I'm so glad you brought in the bridge idea. Okay. I can't wait to hear all you have to share, Matthew, and about what we can do to reverse burnout, yes, in our lives, but also prevent it. Would you agree? There's a prevention that is just as important to talk about. Absolutely. It's sometimes what we need are the spiritual or the energetic paramedics to help us (laughs) We're in emergencies around these kinds of things, but hopefully we're using a type of organic medicine, if you will, in our daily lives, in our weekly lives, and monthly, yearly cycles so that Mm -hmm. the crisis can be averted before it starts and that we can, you know, go for regular checkups to that place Mm -hmm. of refreshment and well-being. Mm. Well said. So brilliant. All right. We are going to go ahead and take our short break now because I want to dive in with you with no interruption. It's just going to be so rich. Just before we do, Matthew, where can we send people to find out more about you? People can go to my website, matthewponak.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-P-O-N-A-K.com. Or find me on Facebook at Rabbi Matthew Ponak, Rabbi spelt R-A-B-B-I. Fantastic. Super. Thank you so much. We'll be sure to put those links up on the show page for everyone as well. Okay. You are listening to Superpowers of the Soul here on the Superpower Network. And we're going to be right back to get deep into reversing burnout with Matthew Ponak in just a moment. Stay with us. Hi, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. Are you ready to master your life? Are you looking for more calm and peace, connectedness in your relationships, more clear communication, guided thoughts, and a confidence in your ability to come up with creative solutions no matter what happens? Then join us at our next experience. Go to superpowerexperts.com and get signed up today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Amorakai. And if you're just tuning in, today we are talking with Rabbi Matthew Ponak about reversing burnout. So Matthew, I am genuinely excited to hear everything you have to share about reversing burnout. And there are so many places we could start. But you know, I always like to hear a little bit about people's stories. Like, how is it that we're here together today chatting about this? So can you just give us a little bit of a background and understanding of of how we're here, how you got here today, why this is so important to you? Yeah, I started my spiritual journey in a way that I was aware of it as a teenager. And I found that though some people seem to have a difficulty with opening up and exploring the universe and having these magical, (laughs) mystical moments, I had the opposite problem 
where I was opening up to a degree that I was feeling overwhelmed. And I had to learn over time that sense of balance between the transcendent and the everyday. Mm. Through the course of that journey, and it was a difficult mm-hmm. journey in many ways, it was I I found that there were relatively basic body-oriented practices that were extremely helpful so that I could have my feet on the ground and also be connected to what lies beyond, another sense of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, actually, it was when I went to a Buddhist university, in a sense, <laughs> I was trying to move beyond the tradition of my ancestry, Judaism, because I felt I didn't see what was relevant there anymore. But when I went to this Buddhist university, I encountered a calling that seemed like it was from beyond and calling me to be a rabbi because I like to live life as much as I can as an adventure. I wanted there to be a chapter in my life story where I actually followed this call and checked out rabbinical school, even though I was really unsure if that was the path for me. And over the course of that first year and turned into five years of study, I found that there were incredibly valuable resources in many untranslated or unknown Jewish texts that are really relevant for that kind of bridge work, both between the spiritual heights and the everyday earthly existence, and also valuable material for finding balance around work versus rest and around striving versus celebrating and and relaxing into all that we have right now. Mm untranslated and unknown texts. The curious monkey in me is very excited to hear more about that. When you started to make these connections, I mean, first of all, do you think that's a pretty common experience? In my world, it is where people come from religious backgrounds or cultural backgrounds and and don't necessarily see the application of the value in today's world and often leave it behind. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's partially because a lot of people get trained or they learn about the religion when they're kids. And there is only so much we can pass on to children. And so in the case of in the Jewish world, a lot of people leave the community as practitioners when after they have their initiation right into adulthood at the age of 12 or 13. Mm. And Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other things that people learn and grow with. And so that's, that's, it's partly the pedagogy and how just the educational world is set up there. But sometimes our traditions stagnate and we actually need to go out. We need to leave our home, so to speak, in order to, to refine it later mm-hmm. on. And that's how partly how traditions become enriched and grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hero's journey, of course. Yes. Absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. Okay. And so, do you mind if I just ask you, I'm so curious because I I know a lot of children and I've worked with a lot of adults who, when we trace back and look at their childhood, they have very similar experiences to what you mentioned. I loved how you put it yourself where some people have trouble opening up and I was the exact opposite. I was having all of these experiences and was very open. At what age did that start for you? And can you give us an example of, of what that was like for you in your life? What kind of experiences were you having? Out of curiosity. Yeah, it started for me when I was 16 and I had my Mm -hmm. first exposure to any explicit spiritual teachings. Okay. And I was doing meditative prayer practices, for example, and I remember 
I ended up at a seminary in Israel when I was 18 years old. And after really, a, it, was, it was sort of these three times, these daily prayer services. And I would just, I was reading Hebrew, but something about one day, it was just really powerful and impactful. And I sort of lifted my eyes up from the prayer book after about 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And it was like everything around me was glowing. I had this insight that God was around us in, in every moment, even though we didn't always know that, that there was some presence or spirit that permeated all physical reality as well. Mm. And th that was a lovely experience and without <laughs> proper bodily care, right? I was, I was sleeping right. five hours a night. I wasn't eating very much. I was spending the whole day in study and prayer and meditation and song circles and dancing. And it, it, <laughs> Ended up just yeah. overwhelming, but in those small amounts, those experiences are, are beautiful and transportative and healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love bringing those experiences into common conversation because I think the more we talk about things like that, um, the more we get to talk about things like that. You know, sometimes I hear from people that they feel so alone in those experiences and it can be scary because they have nowhere in their lives where that's a normal thing or something they can talk about or where it's not met with fear. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. And it speaks to the value of balance, right? We're talking about burnout. We're talking about reversing burnout. We're talking about preventing burnout. And so there is that beautiful dance between work versus rest you were talking about and striving versus celebrating, I think you said, which is powerful. What can we bring? What can you bring? What can you shed that you brought from this tradition that can really help us in terms of burnout, in terms of finding that balance? You hear it all the time, right? Work-life balance. What does that even mean? Is that even possible in these days? What light can you shed on that for people to show that it's not only possible, but perhaps foundational? It's, I think quite common for people to think about working efficiently. How can we work better? How can we, mm -hmm. and it's less common for people to think about resting efficiently or rest <laughs> actually. How do we rest so that we are not, yeah. let's not just entertained, let's say, or distracted, but how do we rest so that we are deeply, deeply nourished and connected to the wellsprings that are available to us in every moment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a uh, teaching in my book, Embodied Kabbalah, from uh, actually an 18th century teacher who lived in Chernobyl, of all places, known as the Chernobyler Rebbe or the Chernobyler teacher. Wow. And he says that, quoting a very ancient teaching, that on Shabbat, that which in Judaism is this, the seventh day, Friday night to Saturday night, the day of rest, which in, mm -hmm. in my teaching and universally today among several rabbis can be this idea doesn't have to be just one day a week. It could be on a on a break at from work. It could be in the evening for 30 minutes. The idea is that in those moments of rest, we're cultivating a sense that everything is good, that everything is as it should be. The, the idea of working is that there's something that needs to be worked on. And that that's okay because in every moment, there are things that need to be worked on. But mm. if we can literally... I mean this, unplug for a time, <laughs> yes. an intentional time. It actually often takes a bit of preparation beforehand. But yeah. every time we turn on our phones, we're looking at the news. We're looking at updates, notifications, things we need to be doing. But if we can put that kind of thing away and not just say to ourselves, the world is good, but actually do practices that helps us feel that, 
that's when we're able to get into not just that mindset, but to really feel it, feel it in our bodies, to feel it in our emotions. And so some of the simplest practices, once we can unplug and turn towards what we want to be doing, it's eating delicious food. <laughs> we can save our favorite foods for those moments. We can take an extra nap. We can engage with beauty and art, try to be around people that we love. And one of my favorites is to sing songs that bring us joy. Sitting around a table, eating delicious food with loved ones (laughs) and singing songs of beauty and joy. It's Mm. very simple. It's also very ancestral, very primal. And -hmm. it's a way to get in touch not with just the cessation of work, but an active rest and what they call, you could say, an oasis in time. Mm. Do you know how good I feel just listening to you say those things and I'm envisioning that and my heart is just ooey, gooey, happy, open, relaxed. Like even just thinking about it, even just envisioning it. I just want to be around this table right now with all my friends and family. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm a little bit hungry too. (laughs) <laughs> it's brilliant, right? It's so simple, but it's it's so rich. And I really appreciate that you brought in the beauty aspect and that you mentioned the entertainment because that's what I find. And you know, I'm a I'm a mom of four, uh, late teens and early 20s now, but my kids grew up in this era uh, and maybe they didn't have it as as much as everybody around, but they still grew up in this era where they are plugged in. That is their world. And we explored this when my children were younger as part of a a project that we did where we did a three-week, we called it a dopamine detox. We were looking at it from a a neuroscientific angle um, and brain chemistry and, and mood and motivation as an experiment that we did as one of their school projects. But we completely unplugged from social media, from electronics uh, for three weeks. And that's extreme. I'm not saying that's comparable to this, but the results, the what you have access to, how you begin to feel, how you begin to think, that level of being able to perceive beauty and be in delight and be in the state of joy and gratitude effortlessly and feel so nourished at every level and so relaxed, I think it's really important to speak to. And what you're suggesting that we have the ability to drop these practices in, not just once a week or for a big, long stretch at a time, but even smaller on a daily basis, how brilliant and how necessary and impactful, really impactful. It's almost unbelievable the difference it makes. You have to experience it, I think, to see for yourself. Absolutely. It's one of those things that comes from the experience. And one of the teachings uh, in this text from this uh, 18th century mystic I was just referencing, he says, the idea of celebrating everything or celebrating all that we have in that moment includes us as well. That spiritual practice can be about transforming ourselves. And that's important because we're all works in progress, but that is the work week mentality for self-growth. The Shabbat or the oasis mentality is that I am perfect just the way I am, that I'm actually in those mindsets. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to practice gratitude and celebrate who I am, what's around me. It it encompasses every element, not just of the world, but ourselves as well. That There's a time to rest in all that we are and all that we've accomplished. Brilliant. Oh, I love it so much. You know, we're going to circle back for just a moment because you mentioned your book. Brilliant. Go read it. 
embodiments and Kabbalah are big words and they're not necessarily in everybody's everyday vocabulary. Can you unpack them for our listeners just a little bit? Absolutely. So embodiment in this sense, embodied Kabbalah, embodiment has to do with grounded spirituality. It's not, this book is not about moving beyond so much as it, it as it is about the path of the sacred bridge. Someone who can have or an ordinary life, so to speak, everyday responsibilities, joys, connections, and also have that connection to the beyond. It mm-hmm. is often having to do specifically with the body itself, our most the most physical parts of ourselves. We can feel our emotions in our minds, but if we are tapping into our bodies to access them, there's a really sense of how rooted and how attached to this very world we can be while we're delving into what lies deeper. Mm -hmm. So that's embodied in that sense. It's really about groundedness. Mm -hmm. Kabbalah is a, a word that is used in different ways, but in this sense, it's it's the entire history of Jewish spirituality. It goes back thousands of years, and this book is about drawing on sources from Kabbalah to be helping people today with relevant issues they're facing, and all about that life of balance and connectivity. Mm. The connectivity piece is is crucial. And, you know, everybody talks about this world being so connected now. We're so globally connected with through electronics and through all these, these privileges that we have. And yet, in some ways, we're so ridiculously disconnected. It's a different kind of connectivity. And I think that anything that we can bring in our lives that serves that level of connectivity, we really, really need at the heart of things, you know, to life itself, I would, I would posture it as is crucial. It's crucial for our well-being on every level. And the fact that you're bringing it into groundedness, literally in the body, I heard you. I love that. It's so easy to to spin off into the mental planes, but in everyday application, practice where it matters, where it's meaningful with our day-to-day work lives, with our family, with our friends, with, with who we are, I would say on the ground. I, I could go off forever on that. I won't because there's so much more I have to ask you, <laughs> but that it's really, really important. I find that sometimes people feel split between the worlds of their everyday lives and their spirituality, and they feel like they have to give up one for the other. And that's not true at all. And I love that you're bringing this in, in the, in the supportive weave that you are and making it so accessible. Brilliant. I have one question, and maybe we'll go uh, go a little bit off to the left here, but I read somewhere you were talking about, I can't remember if I was listening to you or if I read it, but you were talking about traveling safely. And I think you put it in terms of on the road to expanded consciousness. Pretty sure it was, you were talking about pathways for traveling safely on the road to expanded consciousness. I love that. I love that there's someone out there talking about that. As it relates to burnout, because the angle I'm I'm coming at this is some people are saying, oh, even just attending to my spiritual life is adding more stress, more pressure. It's another thing I have to think about. It's another practice I have to incorporate. There's more things that happen at different levels of expanding consciousness. And then there's more things I have to deal with. 
Can you speak a little bit about this concept of yours, the pathways for traveling safely here? Yeah. First, I would say if someone feels like their spiritual life is a task, Mm-hmm. It they I would recommend for people to ask themselves, oh, how aligned am I feeling with my <laughs> spiritual path as I've constructed it? Because mm-hmm. often parts of us change and shift. They always do, in fact. Yeah. And so if my spirituality feels like something I have to do, that's okay. a good reason for me to inquire within and say, oh, what am I needing? If I mm-hmm. thought that this was my practice or this was my journey and I don't want to do it, it could be that I'm just feeling tired. Maybe I need to attend to that or maybe actually I'm in need of something else right now. So that's first off, it can be that can be a inspiration to to think or to ask ourselves, what what am I doing? <laughs> because yeah. spirituality, it, often I think about it as going beyond what what is next for us? What are we needing to move and and to migrate and to transform? Mm-hmm. But in and, this, and giving us permission, sorry, like, so, no, no, I just love what you're saying because so many of us feel stuck and we don't give ourselves permission necessarily to grow, to shift paths. I love that you're just speaking to that, like that inquiry within you, you're allowed to shift, right? You're allowed mm-hmm. to grow. You're allowed to inquire that. Brilliant. Please continue. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So in the sense that I often talk about it journeying safely there are states of consciousness which people can access that can be pretty powerful. And if someone is going really quickly along a journey like that, and today it's more common, I think, because of psychedelics, which have incredibly powerful transformational potential. And if someone is doing uh, is accessing those medicines in a way that isn't either guided or held in a safe context, it can get to a place where it can be a lot. It can also happen simply with meditation or meditation retreats, but <clears throat> just to bring that angle in there, it's important yeah. in this sense, safety can have to do with who's around us to help create the container, but it can also have to do with simply our orientation towards how quickly we're traveling. If someone, to quote one of the texts uh, in my book from a a medieval Kabbalistic teacher, if someone lives in a cave, they should not go out into the light of day too quickly because Mm. if they do, they might get blinded by the sun. (laughs) Actually, this stage-by-stage process and waiting, sometimes it's as simple as taking a break from the practice for a few days or even a few weeks if we need to, to let that light integrate into our lives before we ask ourselves again, where am I going? Do I want to repeat this? Do I want to move somewhere else? Mm, Brilliant. And the, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. It was so good. The how fast are we traveling by integration? There we are. Thank you so much. Leaving room and time for integration. I would say in terms of talking about preventing burnout, never mind reversing it, giving ourselves permission and time for integration is imperative. And maybe relearning that as an idea, as a concept, as a practice in our lives. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. I'd agree with it. There's a sense also, sometimes everyone's needs to find their own way on how to integrate really. But sometimes it's just as simple as taking time and nourishing ourselves and letting those insights or that learning filter through. There's a a wonderful way to do a a 30 minute Shabbat style practice where it's 
really just about listening to ourselves in that moment. Again, turning off devices is so essential here, but it's something that one of my teachers called organic time. During the work week, we have commodity time where we might be tired, but we're going to keep going. We might need to take a meal, but we're going to skip that because we have other work to do. Organic time is the opposite of that. It's listening into our bodies and saying, what do I need right now in organic time? Do I need to take a nap? Do I need to have a meal? Do I need to go for a walk? Just listening into ourselves and delighting ourselves and and whatever we're needing in those moments, or whether it's a gratitude practice or some kind of meditation, that on its own can allow the natural integration to happen, even if we're not thinking about it, especially sometimes when we're not thinking about it. Mm. Mm, Absolutely. The art of listening, the art of listening and being able to hear, being able to hear what's really going on instead of just striving forward and motoring through things. Understand there's a time for that. There's a time where we just have to move forward. There's a time where we just have to push through. There's a time for everything. But it just in our in our current modern day way and culture of things, that has become more of the norm. And so what you're really suggesting here is just that beautiful golden balance where we don't have to leave that part of ourselves. We don't have to make that part of ourselves or our lives wrong in any way. This is what I'm hearing anyway. Yes. And instead, all we need to do is support it properly. It's without this balancing part. It's without this other part, this support, this organic time, this, you know, weaving those in the unplugging time. As long as we learn how to support it properly, it's going to be even that much more efficient. It's going to be even that much better for us. And by the sounds of it, it will be a much more delightful journey along the whole way, Mm -hmm. along the whole way. Okay. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. Hmm. Oh, Matthew, it's so, it's so normal and relatable. I mean, you know, I I know you talk a lot about how to be spiritual, right? While leading a normal, relatable life. And this is so normal, so relatable, so powerful, so needed, so needed. This is definitely coming down from the mountaintop and really bringing it into our everyday lives and households and weaving the joy of the spirit into just our everyday mundane existence. I always talk about the mundane and the sacred and the sacred and the mundane. And that's really the art of the balance I feel that you're relaying here and making so accessible for all of us. So for someone listening who's going, yes, yes, that's me. Yes, I'm burnt. I'm stressed. I I don't know if I have time for that. How do I do this? I'm I'm really loving this. I've been seeking work-life balance and I've I've been doing it in ways that actually make more stress, more time commitments, right? And now I'm hearing this from you. Where would you suggest that I start? What is something I could just adopt right here, right now, today? The the simplest beginning is finding a time on your calendar right now. And it could be 30 minutes, it could be 15, it could be six hours and marking it in there because this is a process that actually requires at least a little bit of prep. It's hard to just sort of flow into it because if we don't put our devices away or if we don't have someone to take care of our dependents, let's say our kids or our animals, and we just want time to ourselves, we the simplest thing to do is just mark out a bit of time. I would suggest, though it's not mandatory, to have a little ritual that marks that transition when you actually get into that space. It could be lighting a candle. It could be taking a few slow breaths and then entering into that space 
and then listening to yourself and asking what what do I need or what do I want right now? And maybe what's going to arise is why wow, I'm really tired or I it's been a while since I've seen the mountains, you know, if you live by <laughs> beautiful nature, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then just let yourself unfold in that direction. And at the end of whatever time period you've set aside, and maybe instead of having, you know, a, a an alarm clock on your phone, you can have a watch or some other kind of timer or the sunset. And then finding finding a way of of transitioning out of that. Again, it could be blowing out that candle, you know, whatever it is. Uh mm-hmm. at, and that's there's much more I could offer in that in that way, but that's a very straightforward way to just access it and to listen in to whatever you're needing in that moment. Mm. Well, I appreciate how grounded and accessible the the invitation is. And it's it seems, you know, <laughs> to put it in your calendar, is the most important thing. I would agree wholeheartedly with you because if it's not in our calendars these days, we tend not to do it. It remains an idea. And that's sort of just the way of things. It's almost like as soon as you put it in there, you've already created the space. You've already created the container. You've already created the commitment. And now just setting yourself up for success on that path. I mean, we schedule our workouts, right? Otherwise they stay in our minds. We schedule our meetings. We schedule the things that are important for us. And I I love that that was part of your suggestion. Brilliant takeaway, brilliant takeaway. Uh, is there anything else that you would really feel inspired to share before we begin to wrap up for today that you really want people to know specifically about burnout? And maybe, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of this. Maybe you've worked with a lot of people around this. Is there any final thoughts you really feel inspired to share about burnout specifically from your perspective? Uh, yeah, I would say that there are some messages in spiritual teachings, which are really beautiful teachings, but are hard for a lot of people to actually actualize that the idea that we can work and rest simultaneously, that that's a very lofty idea and a goal. But what I have found to be the most effective is to have times for work and times Mm -hmm. for rest that I am not personally most of the time able to feel like the grind of my emails is restful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to do that. And hopefully in an, an oasis moment, in that organic time, I'm just going to do it for its own sake. And I'm going to really go in deep and just enjoy myself. It's when I commit myself to true rest that often those ideas for the work stuff arise on their own. And mm-hmm. so that when I'm returning to the week, that's the work week consciousness is about transformation. It is about striving. And hopefully I can punctuate my week with moments of organic time and oasis and Shabbat. But at the end of the day, the key takeaway here that I want to share is it's okay. And it's great for us mortal human beings to have time set aside for both because <laughs> the enlightenment ideal is so lofty and wonderful and hard to attain for most of us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Matthew. What oh, just a wonderful, deeply empowering conversation. You know, I I really appreciate you being here with us today for sharing yourself and your very practical wisdom so very generously. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, Amar.
Mm, absolutely. All right, everyone. And thank you all for joining us today, too. As always, I hope today's episode serves your highest possible good and that it inspires you to think about the effects of burnout in your life and community and perhaps empowers you to prevent burnout or reverse it and maybe even help someone else do the same. Of course, anytime we're talking about improving the quality of our lives is a great time to talk about what's new in the superpower universe over here, such as CIFA. CIFA stands for Creative Energy Field Activation. And if you have not yet experienced this extremely powerful modality, please head on over to superpowerexperts.com to learn more about it today. Until next time, keep unlocking your own superpowers of the soul and put them to great use, creating a life and a world you love. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.